What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lek Dog. Today I am joined by our man, well one of our men in South Australia, Baron Von Crow. Baz, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That's alright mate, it's a bloody pleasure. It's a bloody pleasure as we've, we've only got, what, 11 weeks, 10 or 11 weeks left of this season of Supercoach, so... We've got to try and rotate through over and get everyone on. <laughs> Baza, how are you traveling in the Supercoach realm this year? What are your what are your thoughts on the season that's been? Uh Supercoach wise, I'm traveling pretty middling. I've had a lot of injuries and I've been trying to hold on to them, which would be to reverse my usual form of just trading them straight out. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked at all. So it's put me behind a bit. <laughs> Do you have at least some some sort of trades up your sleeve for the back half of the year? I still have uh, 15 trades left. I managed not to trade last week, so that meant I sat guys like Clayton Oliver still. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's. I feel like there's something there. I can see it in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I'm like, it's like that the classic Simpsons meme, you know. Why doesn't mine look like that? Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, this should all be working. This should all be. It should be brilliant. And it's not. It's just not. I don't mind the, the, the storm home plan. Normally, and not that I'm my ranks are ever that good, but where I gain ranks is during the buys and after the buys because I try to be a bit conservative with trades. There, there's going to be people coming out of the buy rounds who only have like three trades for the rest of the year. And coming out of the buy rounds, you're still going to have to play like nine or ten weeks worth of fan mm. of super coach and with only three trades that that's going to be rough whereas you you might even come out with one trade for every round of the season well that would be nice if it happens but uh, a lot of it just comes back to some of those risks i ta- took uh, at the start of the year on someone like uh, nick blakey who's just been should call him Nick Flakey because his scores are just all over the place, like 58 last week. What am I doing with that, you know? Mm. Um, same with uh, Jordan Ridley or those kind of guys. So uh, Maybe a, a Dylan Moore or a, yeah. or a Bailey Dale, who I'm so glad people are jumping on now that I've I've had to suffer through. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say it because I'm proud of myself. I was 37th overall this week, 2275. Uh, my lowest score, I think, was Matt Johnson's 96, who yeah. I had on field. So I'm happy with that. And and even more amazing, a win over me in the league uh, matchup too. Yes, yes, huge, huge. <laughs> the, 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 that doesn't matter, Baron. I don't care about that reply. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Because... Because you can, and I'm assuming this won't happen next year, but because you could have, at, at the preseason, you could add me as one of the, the quotation marks experts. I don't get to control what leagues I see. So I'm in just like, you know, however many thousand of leagues. Ah, you're all over the place. In. So I, people just message me go, oh, you got me this week. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> or I smashed you this week. 
okay. Congratulations. I, I, can't, I can't see. I'm sorry. I can only see like the top 10 leagues that are just randomly on my screen. So that's why my response to you was okay. a bit mad okay. because <laughs> I, I can't see my leagues basically. <laughs> so anyway, uh. anyway, let's get to, well, we'll review a bit of what the round that was and we'll look at the round to be this was obviously in theory the easiest round because there was only the two teams on the bye we now have is it six teams we can choose from moving forward to basically pick players out of that have already had their bye which is a which is a win it might be higher than that but i think it's six teams Yes, six teams. So you'll have Brisbane, Fremantle, St Kilda and Sydney from round 12 and then Geelong and Gold Coast from last week. And as we look forward, it looks like particularly round 15 is going to be tough on coaches. There's, you know, your Blues, your your Bulldogs, your North Melbournes, those sort of teams, your GWSs. There's a lot of people with a lot of players from those teams in their side. So that looks like it's going to be a tough round, but that doesn't mean that this round's necessarily easy either because we've got, you know, Adelaide, uh, Essendon, Hawthorne. I'm sure there's some other teams that have the bye this week. Collingwood, that might be all of them. Melbourne and West Coast as well. Melbourne and West Coast, the others uh, who have the bye. So we're going to talk about this week, but it's, it's worth keeping in your mind that any moves you make this week, You need to be thinking about how many players you can field in round 15 because there's a lot of guys I want to jump on this week, Baz, but they've all got the buy next week, which makes it a really tough proposition to look at. Yeah, I've looked at a few myself and I've run into that same roadblock where I'm like, oh, I could bring this guy in and then, oh, wait, i got to backtrack and, and just do a bit more number crunching just to see if I can swing it or not. Yeah, so we need to look at that. The first thing I want to do, I want to talk about James Sicily, who I've had in my team for four weeks, and he's played twice, and it looks like he may not play very much over the next period of time. At the time of recording, we're recording this on Tuesday night, but the tribunal uh, hasn't ruled on him. I'm not even sure if they are ruling on him tonight. That's how out of the loop I am. If he's out for three-plus weeks because this week he's out anyway because of the buy. Buy, yep. We have to trade him, don't we? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, just especially if you're trying to make a push like we're talking about uh, after the buy rounds, pushing for a good result on your way home. Um, and at that much money too, like I think he's probably the most expensive defender at the moment, isn't he? 649 yeah. that's so much cash just to have sitting on your bench. Um, it is. And when you look around and see some of the defenders you can pick up for tasty prices, you'd be like, that's going to free up some cash to fix your team elsewhere too, potentially. Well, that's it. So there's a couple of situations. Like, let's assume he's out for three plus weeks. I think he's a trade anyway. But you've got options. You got like, you know, you could do a sideways, essentially a sideways trade to a, to a Tom Stewart. Or you could drop down to some of these other value defenders. Or they don't even have to be defenders, but value defenders get a pseudo premium or a fallen premium in in defense. And then you we'll talk about a Harry Himmelberg later. Jack Sinclair's a, a, a smaller drop. But then that gives you cash to fix holes elsewhere. And I think where people are struggling are with a lot of dead rookies on the bench, yep. that extra 200K you might have from downgrading a Sicily to an underpriced premium 
gives you an opportunity to to fix some of those holes. And then the the flip side is, at Baz, if you held him this week, you might be, and you were one of those guy, people like myself who traded out Clayton Oliver. You might just bring Clayton Oliver back in. Like, yeah. You don't necessarily have to fix the Sicily problem this week, although if you're struggling for buyers, we may have to. But he could become essentially anyone in the league uh, at $649,000. Now, if he doesn't get suspended or the suspension's only, say, one week, which I don't think is possible with the way the tribunal's set up, but let's just say that that could happen. In that instance, if you're missing, if he's missing just the buy round or just the buy round plus one more week, I think you have to hold him. Yeah, well, you would have probably factored in him. You're not going to have him on the buy round anyway, so that's yeah, correct. That's that's the way it is. So yeah, one week you would hold him definitely. Three weeks you trade him, and I think two weeks well, I would be tempted personally to trade him if he's handed a two game suspension again. I don't know how the tribunal works; that might not be a possible outcome. But if he's given a two two week suspension plus this current buy round, I would probably be moving him on. So that's, yeah. I think that's the James Sicily <laughs> conversation we've we've had. Pretty much, yeah. I'm not sure that there was that many relevant sort of injuries for us this week, or none that we desperately need to to solve this week. At least that I can think of. Baz, is there anyone that jumps out at you? Nothing off the top of my head. No. Obviously, we're waiting to see if Clayton Oliver's back, but that sounds like that's. Uh, foregone conclusion with the buy around now as well. So I wouldn't expect that to linger on any longer. Yeah, I, I suspect he's back. Uh, do they have the buy this week though? We went through it and then yeah. just totally uh, blanked on my head. Uh, yes, think, they do have I the buy this have week. The buy. So yeah. he'll, he'll return unless something happens. He'll return in round 16. 15. 15. <laughs> my maths is bad. Uh, I don't know what day it is. So let's talk about this week, Baz, and the cash cows. And this is a problem I've seen with a lot of teams. I've been fortunate enough that I only have one non-playing player in my team. Mm -hmm. That's Will Gould, who I sort of knew would be a zero when I traded him in. Fixing cash gen is a battle for a lot of coaches at the moment. There's a lot of dead rookies floating around, sitting on benches, a lot of, you know, middling selections and a lot of guys that we might want to cash out of. Now, any of the Hawthorne players, Weddle, Mitchell, uh, Eddie Ford next week, there's going to be some guys that we probably need to make calls on before they've fully maximised their cash just to help yep. us in the buyers. So I'm an advocado for holding a Weddle and a Mitchell this week, but Baz, is there a world where you might have to actually move them on? Yeah, if you just can't swing it in having 18 players, you realistically, someone like Mitchell, he might only make another 30 or 40,000. So in that kind of scenario, it's not the end of the world. That's 40, 50,000. And in a place where you're looking for value, you can find that wherever you go, there's going to be a player that you can pick up that will fit into your budget. So I wouldn't worry about selling a guy too early just over that little amount of cash because in the grand scheme of things, is $40,000 worth whatever upgrade you could get to your team? Probably not, no. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And presumably, 
you're upgrading to a player who doesn't have the buy next week. So you're yeah. getting two games out of a player, whereas you'd only be getting one next week. Now, the flip side is with a sh- in in my circumstance, if I trade Seamus Mitchell, is that his name, Seamus? Yes. <laughs> Seamus Mitchell this week, it actually still puts me behind next week because I don't have many active players for round 15. So I actually need to find, like, I don't know, uh, Ryan Angwin to upgrade rather than a Seamus Mitchell. But there are circumstances. You guys all know out there who you need on your field next week. But I think, as you said, Baz, he's not a must-hold in terms of cash gen. He's not a must-hold. No, he's not if- like Harry Sheasel-level rookie where you're like, okay, I'm going to sit on this guy for another week because either he's going to score really well, which Shizu has been doing, or an Eddie Ford where he's been scoring really well. Yeah. Well, I traded Harry Sheasel last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are the options for cash generators, Baz? I'm going to just quickly read through the list of names. Can you tell me if any of these are feasible options? There's Lewis Malikin at $172,300. He scored an 80 odd in his first game, 52 in his second game. And that is what his career average is, basically. It's mid 50s, break even negative 39. But the Swans have had their buy? Question mark? <laughs> Question mark? Yes, they've had their buy. Okay. I know there's somewhere to look at the buy rounds, but I just do not know where it is. Uh, Malikin is one. Teammate Angus Sheldrick, who's been sub a couple of times, but at 150 uh, I want to say $6,000, $158,000 mid forward. He's an option. Josh Fay, defense mid, 127000 GWS player. He was a sub a couple of times, played a full game for 54. Uh, Nat Fife is cheap. I don't know how to sell this, say this man's name, but Oisin Mullen or Ocean Mullen or whatever, whatever his name is, uh, he's one of the most traded in players this week, but he's injured. Devin Robertson is an interesting one. He was given a full game this week, scored in the 80s. He's actually lost cash, lost 70 grand this year. He's 187,000. And then Quinton Narkle, he's not on the bubble. In fact, he hasn't even played yet. But you think he could be a decent uh, player to look at given his form in the VFL. And Josh Sin is the final one at 124,000 who hasn't been scoring, but he is currently on the bubble. Out of those players, who do we look at? Yeah, it's not the greatest list you've ever had thrust upon you, is it? Um, Lewis Melican probably has to be number one, I think. And I don't say that with any great deal of confidence, but if you can score an 80, what was it, 87 he scored? Uh, uh, in the Yeah, it was one of his career highest games. But yeah. Yes, he, he, did, he did in fact score it. So if you can pull that off, and I know I feel bad saying it's just against Carlton, but it's um, he could score. So in that scenario, you would have to say, okay, that probably puts him at the top of the list. He's got the Eagles in round 15. It's probably maybe another chance to pull off a good score maybe. Uh, They'd have to get the ball forward for him to score though. That's, that's yeah. a risk. <laughs> uh, well. If you take that, then they've got Brisbane and Geelong sandwiched in between that, so there could be plenty yeah. of ball going down uh, back uh, for the Swans in those two, even against Richmond Bulldogs, Fremantle, Essendon. 
they're all teams in top eight or have been around there this year. Uh, so he would probably be the first one I would look at, uh, especially if you do have someone like Mitchell in the uh, defensive line that you're looking to get rid of this week. That mm-hmm. would probably be my number one. Yeah, I think he's probably the number one. He's a senior body position of uh, a void of significance, position of need. Sydney need him to play. Fahey, like, GW has been pretty good this year about rewarding the the younger guys, particularly the ones that have been getting the sub vests. So, but but again, I don't think he's scoring potentials there. But he is fifty k cheaper than Melikan. Downside is he has the buy next week. Melikan seems the most likely to have a buy round round fifteen playing out of this list. Angus Sheldrick's an interesting one to me. He was a highly rated junior. Um, he's had moments where he's been able to produce scores in in the VFL and the juniors, and I think he might have had a, one decent score last year. I can't remember. But again, he's not as highly rated to me as Malikan. Devin Roberts, I think, is a really interesting one, but it's a really awkward one at 180K. Scored 82, kind of came out of, like, I watched... For fan, for keeper league reasons, I, I I watched the numbers in the in the VFL and um, he's been building. I just don't know if he can hold a place in that Brisbane midfield. Baz, that would be my biggest concern about just how long he gets to hold his spot. Like we saw it with Harry Sharp earlier. I think he got two weeks, was it? And I don't think he played absolutely awful or anything like that. But uh, just yeah, really questionable job security because they're they're a pretty deep team and they have more than a few players who are performing quite well for their VFL side. So it could be yeah. a case of they're just looking to rotate a couple guys in three, two three weeks. Okay, next man up and give you a go because you've been playing well. Yeah, he's uh, I think he's from WA from the top of my head. He's out of contract in this year, but I don't see Brisbane just pumping games into him to make him want to stay. So yeah, I suspect. We watch team sheets. You could potentially take a punt on him. But, yeah, the Pelican, Lewis Malican, is definitely the number one option, which is not a amazing sales pitch for for the rookies <laughs> that we have this week. Lewis Malican, it'll do. That's about the uh, <laughs> best sales pitch we can muster up for him, I think. So let's talk a bit about uh, the players people are trading out. The most popular trade-outs are Seamus Mitchell, Josh Weddle, James Sicily. I'm assuming that's an assumption that he's going to be out for a long term. Yep. Van Royen, Oscar Baker, Alex Chincotta. I actually think of those ones, Chincotta, you can hold. Van Ruin, if Van Royen, if you can upgrade, I'd trade him, but his break even still really low. But again, he's on the buy this week. So if you can turn him into someone you get two games out of this week and next week, I think you should. One that I, I'm interested in, and I don't know how to be, I don't have an ability to be objective on this guy. Paddy Cripps owners. A lot of people have been asking me questions. He's in 30,000 teams. He's been awful. The Blues have been awful. He had no effective kicks on the weekend. He scored 58 points. What's your assessment of the situation, Baz? Five round average of 74. Yeah, I was going to say, if it hadn't been two or three weeks, I'd be like, maybe you're pulling the jumping the gun a bit early. But it's been, what, six weeks now where I don't think he's gone above 80 odd in his 89 scores. 89 was the highest. But yeah, he's, a, yeah he, he's been bad. 
And his biggest score before that was against West Coast, which, again, is nothing to really be impressed by. Um, Their run home isn't too bad in that, I don't think, outside of Collingwood and Port, they don't have anyone, or Melbourne as well, uh, that you would say they're no chance of winning. Not that I think they'll win a whole lot of them, but (laughs) realistically they should be able to run with Hawthorne and Gold Coast and... uh, West Coast again. They've got Gold Coast twice, actually, uh, GWS, those kind of teams. Mm. Um, But even you'd say, okay, he's coming up against Gold Coast and he's got to run with Matt Rowe and Noah Anderson and just does he have the the old Paddy Cripps in him that could go with those young blokes like that anymore? Well, I don't think he's got the game plan to go with him. The other thing is, all right, like you look at his numbers on paper and you go, he averages 102 against Gold Coast, but he hasn't turned up in his last three games against him. 38, 73, 99. Wow. Yeah. He's in bad form. Historically, his his averages against all these teams are going to be skewed a little bit by previous form, but it's a different game plan and it's one he hasn't adapted to very well. So I'm I've got no issues with cashing out on him. It stings. His break-even's 117. You could hold him for a week because he's probably not going to lose that much cash. But if we're talking about maximizing value for the buy rounds, I think you have to go, have to, have to go, because I'm not confident he scores 117. He's only done it three times this year. Yeah, and he hasn't even gotten close to it the past six weeks, as we said. No. So it's uh probably where you would you're basically saying I need Pick some random midfielder. It's like me saying, oh, I need Harry Schoenberg to score 120 this week to win. I'm not going to like my chances of that no. happening. I like Not to compare them as players. No, you're right, though. Um, but just that kind of the year it's been in Supercoach. It just stings. Like, yeah. He was over 600K in round eight. Yeah. And he's now 450. And I guess that's why there might be some hesitancy from owners because it's, it's, it's taking the L and admitting the loss. But I think given he's missing next week, Given his form, given, I mean, in our team, we I do a show on on YouTube where we do the team selection for Carlton. I, I had him sitting in the forward line for a week just to try and get some semblance of feeling happy back into him. But, uh, yeah, I think he's absolutely a, a trade. Yeah, and like you could say, oh, we've lost 150000 on him or whatever, but, again, with the amount of time that's left in the season here, I can't really see that he would make that cash back either. So I don't think those losses are going to be recoverable from a cash point of view where you can say, oh, give him a bit longer and he'll remake some of it and then I can punt him off to someone else because 170, you, you, you realistically you're saying, I don't even know if he'll make 117, which for someone of his original starting price and caliber should be i should be able to get somewhat near that pretty easily yeah well look he's only in 50 percent of his games this year he's gone 99 plus in the games where he's gone over 100 he does go big it's like a 112 114 130 121 153 but that's only like a 50 percent ton rate is not enough from from a well you can't even really call him a primo at this stage given his performance but for someone like if you're going to tell me, right, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games left and in five of them he's going to score 100, well, come on. And if you were looking at it from a singular game point of view, you might go, okay, I'll take I'll take that 
but yeah. this week, but you, we're thinking ten weeks. Exactly, because so, every game affects every game he plays affects his price. And yeah. It affects who you don't get in in place, the points that you don't um, that you don't have. I I I suppose because it's best eighteen this week, you could hold and hope for the best. But I don't know. I think he's gone. I think you trade him. I think you try and turn him turn him into hell. We'll talk about him. A couple of cheaper players and. Just try and maximize your buy around cash generation situation. Yeah. So. And the, the worst case scenario is that you trade him and then he picks it up. Then, okay, I grab him at 515 again or something like that, you know? like Yeah, that's worst case. Right well, now, it's like worst case as in worst case for a current owner. Yeah, worst case right for now, a current owner. But, yeah. Uh, but then, is he a keeper? No. No. Trade him. Yeah. All right. Sorry. And I realized I was probably a little bit spiteful in that because I'm a little bit spiteful at football at the moment. Another popular player that's being traded out a lot this week is James, uh, not James Warple, is Will Day. James Warple's another one from Hawthorne that's being traded out. I think I'd be, uh, Warple, I'd be moving on Day, I'd be holding mm-hmm. because they're going to come back and uh, Day is going to come back and help you in the buy round. Next week, let's talk about some controversial, not controversial, but interesting players to consider this week, knowing that we'll start with Taron Thomas because he's the number one traded in player this week. This is a guy that preseason we all had locked away into our teams, mid forward, $295,700, has the round 15 buy, but has come out, has been ejected into the midfield Asterisk here. They've got quite a few midfielders to come back into the team. Well, uh, Davies Uniaki's not playing, is he? Like that's a big, uh, big one to come back in, still, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Simkin, I believe, is. Hang on, we've probably got the injury list updated while we've uh, been recording, so I might pull that back in while we talk about him. But anyway, so he has been ejected into the midfield. Uh, he has scored scores of 89 and 112. This is a guy we had locked into our team preseason. It's a guy that I started last year because I thought he was going to finally break out into that midfield. That was awful, and I traded him after two weeks. Let's take the risk of off-field uh, <laughs> yep. behavior getting in the way of him playing for you in Supercoach. Is this someone at his price point with his negative break-even that we can consider knowing that he is missing next week? If you can swing it, then absolutely. Even if those other players come back and Thomas gets shunted off to a wing or half forward or half back or whatever, I don't know how long uh, off the top of my head how much longer they're going to be out, but it should be a case of if he can keep this... both. Sorry, I'll just let you know. Yeah. Kangaroos are hopeful that Davies, Uniac, Simpkin, and Greenwood can return for the clash against the Dogs. Okay, yeah, that does throw it in. But even with these scores, he's banked. He should still be at a point where he could get up to close to 400,000, I reckon. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're just a quick skip to someone a bit more reliable at that point. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. Are we bringing him in as a keeper? As a stepping stone, 
as purely a, a an attempt to increase our scoring in this buy round. It's a, he's a hard one to read because his upside's there, but he's never consistently provided it from a super coach perspective. So what is he? Is he too expensive for a, a stepping stone? Again, though, you have to play what's in front of you. We're saying before Lewis Melican's the best option we have to generate cash, which realistically he's probably not going to do a hell of a lot. So... I understand that two two ninety five is probably a hundred more than you would regularly want to spend on that kind of thing, but uh, you maybe go back into the old adage of you've got to spend money to make money. So, yep. and if you're saying, "Oh, I got to get rid of Crips," maybe that's your move because then, best case scenario, he's a season long keeper, and you've flipped your failure to a winner and made cash out of it. Worst case scenario is you'll need to flip him again, but you've made cash out of it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an expensive buy-in option. At the moment, he's posting good scores, but he is going to make cash one way or another. Yeah, I guess. All right, let's open it up to this because there's two other guys in this bucket. One has already had the buy, and one still has a buy to come. And those are Harry Himmelberg mm-hmm. and Nat Five. If you chuck these three in a barrel, I don't know why that's where you would keep them, but if you chuck these three in a barrel, Nat Five mid forward, $275,900, scored 96 on the weekend after not really scoring early in the game. We know all about him. We know that sub risk, injury risk, blah, 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 roll risk, uh, history of scoring. We, we know all that as super coach players. And then you chuck in Harry Himmelberg, defense forward. They've said, no, we're going to play him in defense. He's coming off scores of 103 and 88 and averaged, I think it was 111 post-buy last year. Mm-hmm. If you chuck all these three into the barrel, let's say for a Crips or a Sicily or something, which two do you pull out? Jeez, that is a real tough one, to be honest. I'm going to go with my gut, but the first thing that popped in my head and I'll say Himmelberg and Thomas. Interesting. I think I agree with you. I was listening to a couple of, I think I was listening to Tim uh, Tim on the uh, official Supercoach. He was talking about they, him and Al both traded in Nat Fife and he's playing next week, Taron Thomas and Harry Himmelberg aren't. But I just kept thinking, I don't want to carry the Nat Five risk. I know the risks with Aaron Thomas, and I know the risks with Harry Himmelberg. I also know that Harry Himmelberg was a primo last year, and that I wanted to select Taron Thomas as a primo last year. But I just can't shake this feeling that that Nat Five's why why is he going to keep scoring? Yeah. I don't I don't see the road to him scoring to, to continue scoring well. I do see a lot of roads for him sitting out for four weeks or even just a case of hey we're up by 40 give five the quarter off you know and he's sitting there on 70 yeah or or you know i think they've already used him as sub this year oh yeah yeah Yeah, so it's it's those are the risks that you take with five that you probably won't well himmelberg won't ever be starting sub he might be subbed off due to injury but that's something you can't control and I don't think Thomas would be a sub either. 
Himmelberg definitely has the history. You know, if he's playing down back, he will score well. That's I don't think that's a question of if he will score well. He will score well down there. And why they moved him forward again, I just I can't work that out either. But that's neither here nor there. They put him back to where he should be. So yeah, he would be the first one, and then I would still go for Thomas as well. Yeah, so Himmelberg and the the downside with both of these guys, Thomas and Himmelberg, is that they have the buy next round. Mm-hmm. I think Himmelberg is pretty close to a must buy this week with a break even to twenty six. If you need a defender or a forward, and to be honest, even if you just need a defender or forward cover at three hundred and seventy five grand, so he's my number one pick. Taron Thomas is my number two pick. I'm worried about the players coming back in that midfield, and that five. I'm just a bit conservative in this that I just don't want him in my team. The scores for Himmelberg, and this is why he might go up by 40 grand this week, which would take him over 400, which makes it a lot harder to bring him in post-buy, in my opinion. But here's his scores last year when they moved him to defense. Uh, 80, 126, 187, 95, 114, 101, 98, 132, 130, 74, 100, 300, and 84. So, they're massive scores for a yeah. guy you can get right now at $374,000. And I, you know, we talked it before, like what's what's the, what, who cares about 30K extra that you're getting from Seamus if you trade out Seamus Mitchell now? Well, you might actually struggle if you don't have that extra 30K. So it might be a reason to go on Harry Himmelberg before his buy. Yeah, like if if Mitchell was playing this week, you're like, okay, they're both going to make 40K so I can swing it next week because it'll wash out even in the end but that's probably the worst round for someone like uh mitchell to have the week off because he's not going to make any money while himmelberg is going to go up another 40 or fifty thousand. and the other thing to consider as well like i almost wouldn't want to trade a seamus mitchell to or to be fair people probably aren't dumb and haven't traded harry sheasel or jack siebel out of their team like i did but you want someone to maximize the value of a himmelberg you want a defender forward swing set in your team Mm -hmm. so that's something to consider a taron thomas you want a mid forward swing set everyone has them because every midfielder now is a forward yeah Um, and that five is the same the more i'm thinking about it i kind of i don't want five four thomas as oh there we go it's himmelberg locked it in yeah and to be fair, it's a risk with him having the buy next week. But I think I think there's enough question marks over Taron Thomas, the personnel available to North Melbourne when their midfield comes back. And with Nat Fife, I just am scared of him. I'm just scared of him. There's yeah. you can but I don't begrudge anyone for selecting any of them. No, and I don't think it's a certainly a scenario where you're laying down a hard rule that you have to take two of them this week or No, no, no. So, so if you just say, yeah, I just want Thomas or Fife or Himmelberg or just whichever one of them floats your boat, then that's perfectly reasonable too. Well, none of them because your team's set and you don't need them, which yeah, well, that's faster than I hate you. The benefit of a Fife is you get two games out of him where the other two during the buyers, where the yeah. other two you only get one. So that's something to consider for coaches out there. We've probably languished on that one a little bit too long, but I think it's an interesting discussion. Some other primos that we can consider who have had their buys, Baz, Tom Stewart. Mm-hmm. I think he's at the top of everybody's list if they don't have him, both because he's a good scorer but also because there's a concern over a Sicily playing. 
Um, Jack Sinclair is pretty ripe for picking at $552,800 coming off a 125. A little bit of a dip from last year, but I think he's a, a pretty safe selection for coaches out there. And Lucky Neal is the other one I have, which I think it's almost not worth talking about given how popular, popular he is, but he... He started in the negatives on the weekend, was awful in that in terms of scoring in that first quarter, but ended up pumping out a 102, which is serviceable. Is there any other guys that you sort of have your eye on? Uh, one that round? caught my eye quickly was Luke Ryan, who's down to 507,000, but he's still the fifth-ranked defender in Supercoach. Interesting. What did he? What did score did he post on the weekend? Because uh, I was looking at him prior to the game. He got eighty three on the weekend, so he's on a three round average of eighty six, which is what's uh, dumped his score down a bit or his uh, price rather. Mm. Uh, he's gone a month without scoring in triple digits, but he hasn't gone lower than eighty three either. So, yeah, I think he's he's definitely cheap. I probably break even of one twenty. I almost wouldn't mind if you can manage it, waiting another week and just seeing if he's able to produce. Yeah. I just, so, I would, I'd like to see a ton. Seven scores of a hundred plus in his first eight weeks, and he's been uh, quiet after that. Yep, yeah, he has. Uh, one that and, oh, this is not a suggestion; it's just perplexing to me. Caleb Daniel is over six hundred thousand dollars, and one yeah, I noticed that too. And I was like, when did that happen? I did not see that at all. But defense uh, forward, averaging one hundred and four, scored one hundred and twenty-five. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. There was one year where I was like, no, no, I'm backing him into – I know he was shit last year, but this is Caleb Daniel. <laughs> and uh, and he let me down, but he's just come out of seemingly nowhere. Yeah, uh, score of 144 against Adelaide and 169 against Geelong in the last month. So, But, I mean, he's had all scores. His lowest score in the last month is 117, so it's not like it's an inflated figure with those two games. So It's just perplexing. Anyway, don't trade him in because he's expensive and he's got the buy next week. Uh, Noah Anderson and Jeremy Cameron are two names that I've seen floated around. Jeremy Cameron had the buy. He's averaging 98. He's only 446,000. You kind of know it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster with him. Yeah, he reminds me. He's probably the same as Tom Hawkins where – Every year we'd go, we're not picking Tom Hawkins, and then he'd end up in the top five. And you go, but he scored so inconsistently, but it all works out in the end because he'll have a big game and then a quieter game, but it'll end up equaling 200 points out of the two games. So I don't think that's a probably not the, the, the first move you want to make, but I don't think it's an awful one either, grabbing him. I, I don't mind him as a bit of a uh, as a bit of a pot option, like you said, a bit of a roller coaster. But he could be solid at his price. He's obviously had the buy, which is a benefit. Uh, yeah, you know, buyer beware. Um, I guess the only other guys to kind of discuss is Noah Anderson, who I wouldn't be jumping on. He had that big double ton. He had a one twenty against Adelaide, but I just. I'm a bit worried about his consistency as well. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Uh, what did he score that massive game he had? 189 uh, yeah. off a 144 as well and the week before. Everyone rushed in to trade at him, and it was kind of like, I think you're buying scores. He's not going to repeat again this year. Mm. That's something you always need to kind of look out for when they have these monster games. And he had three games under 100 after that. Um, 557, I, that's just... 
yeah, I would want he, him. He doesn't feel like a keeper, does he? No, that doesn't feel like the kind of money I want to be spending on him. Maybe if it was four seventy-five or five hundred, I think that's around where he was as well when people were buying him. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, not at people this jumped on. Yeah, he was. I think he was five hundred and sixty k. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm happy giving him a miss. One final topic, Baz, without notice, just before we wrap up. Uh oh. Been talking to, I've been talking to Clarky. Mm-hmm. People with Kieran Briggs at R three mm-hmm. who need to fix some holes in their teams. Would you consider keeping him over? a Tim English or a Rowan Marshall or a Riley O'Brien who I have who's I don't want to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him either. <laughs> if you can turn one of those six, like it's a it's a real zag, but if you mm. can turn one of those 600, 500 to 600K players into something else, would you? Or is he someone that we just hold this week and then maybe next week when he's on the bye, we we trade Kieran Briggs. Like, what what do we do with that? It's, having him at R three feels potentially wasteful. Yeah, it depends on where your team is, obviously, and if you need that money now, or if you can just let him mature in price on the bench. I don't think I would do it for English because he feels like he's this year's Grundy or um, Gorn where he's that just that little extra over the top of every other Ruckman. Marshall or Wits or whoever you have, I wouldn't want to do it, but if I'm thinking about it, it's probably because my team is in a scenario where I need to do something and... Staying with the status quo isn't going to help. So you could, I would, if I had to pick between English and Marshall and trading one of them, it would be Marshall and not English. I would keep English. I guess it's, yeah, I, I think I would like to YOLO trade. I don't have English, but if you really wanted to zag ahead of their buy, if you wanted to chase rank, you could potentially trade him. There's nothing wrong with having Kieran Briggs sit on your bench and just generate no. cash. He's a break-even of negative six. I'm just looking at his projections for his price and break-even. He's projected to jump over 500K over the next sort of few weeks, um, and his break-even is projected to slowly rise. It's In a couple of weeks, it'll round 18, it's saying it'll get around the 80s, which is when you could probably jettison him. But the other thing is he's averaging 113, and he's looking really good. He's done it four times. It's a tough one because he's 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 giving you premium scores on the bench. He's mm. giving you this is like when Riley O'Brien hit the scene in his first uh, primo year. Yep, it's a tough one. Yeah, the I guess the only contention you have with GWS is that oh they might just go bonkers and decide to bring Matt Flynn back and run a tandem or. Uh, Brain Prius might suddenly come alive again and get a game. <laughs> and you would think that wouldn't happen, but again, coaches don't always do what should be blindingly obvious. So that would be the only risk of jettisoning uh, Rowan Marshall and, and keeping Briggs. But you would also think that wouldn't happen straight away 
So Briggs should be up around 500, 550 by the time that happens. So if it did, you could just sideways him over to whoever else you wanted. Yeah, so I guess I guess the advice is that you're giving is we hold him until we don't need to anymore. Basically, and yeah. Yeah, look, it, it sucks seeing a, a 114 on the bench, but if you've got Rowan Marshall, 119, Tim English, 99, Jared Witts is averaging 115. If you've got these guys on field, Nane Curvis averaging 111, then you're probably not probably not too worried about Briggs. He's an investment yeah, that you can think about putting on field if you got him at R3. If you got him at R2, you're laughing until by the time you need to fix it, you'll be able to fix it with anyone. Yeah, and, and and whether you're playing him on field or on the bench, he's still making money. So there is a use to having him. It's you might not get his score, but he'll make money, and then you can sell him off and upgrade elsewhere. And you might even you might I don't know why I'm talking like that. You might even make that call next week when he's had the buy. You never know. You, I think now that I'm sort of thinking about it, I think you'll wait till next week and reassess because who knows, he could get injured next week or yeah. Tim English could get injured next week. What we know right now is, as you said, he's making cash. Yeah, he's So, yeah, if he's on your bench, he's on your bench. And I think we reassess again next week and maybe next week you cash out when he's 450 grand. You've made 200-odd grand and you've had points during the buyers and you just dust your hands and go, oh, well, it doesn't matter now if he's a keeper. Well, you look at it as um, you sell him when you need to sell him. So if next week you can bring in Rory Laird and it means you have to sell Briggs, well, then why not do that? Yep, I agree. I agree. So I think the advice for this week, because I saw quite a few people asking about this, is I think yeah, you hold your primo Ruckman and you hold Briggs on R3, we reassess next week and then moving forward into the future because, remember, we don't have that many trades and there's a lot of rounds left. Yeah. All right, Baz. Well, that's a bit of a long one, as always is. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Thank you, of course. I mean, hopefully we hear from you before the end of the season, but thank you, of course, for being a part of this wonderful podcast and website and et cetera, et cetera, and... Don't know exactly what it looks like, but all I know is I won't be doing the podcast next year. So uh, you've been wonderful the whole time, mate. I bloody well, you love you. You and Patch will be uh, very much missed, that's for sure. No, well, you're a, you're, you, you're a wonderful human and you've always been very supportive of us, so thank you. And thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, normally I say go blues here, but I'm not even confident I can do it. <laughs> do you want me to give you one? Yeah, go on. Go, you blues. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. <laughs>